Welcome to the Lean Health Tech Podcast, where industry professionals discuss trends and topics where efficiency, healthcare, and technology meet. My name is Taryn Shipley, and I'm your host. Our guest speaker today is Aaron Alfini, an expert technology adoption consultant. Aaron has a bachelor's degree in business administration, master's in cybersecurity, executive certificate in strategy and innovation from MIT, and a certificate in executive leadership from Cornell. He has experience working with organizations of all sizes, from budding startups to Fortune 100s. Thanks for joining us, Aaron. Pleasure to be here. Today's topic is technology adoption, specifically focusing on the cloud. The highest ranked and most widely used electronic health record, Epic, is encouraging customers to migrate to the cloud within the next few years. Most new customers are choosing the cloud for their implementation, but many existing customers have yet to make the jump. So let's start off by providing some context. Aaron, can you tell us what is the cloud? Sure, in the most simplest terms, the cloud is a collection of compute, storage, and uh, database services that are provided by a third party that companies can consume rather than having to create and manage on-prem. So it abstracts the maintenance that you'd have to do on replacing hard drives, updating firmware on servers or switches and routers, and the management of even the operating systems when you talk about services like RDS and AWS that provides SQL database services, MS SQL and Aurora, Postgres, et cetera. And what that does is it allows companies to focus on what they actually do instead of running a data center. So my next question was, what are the benefits of using the cloud? I know you talked about resources. You don't have to spend your resource allocation towards managing a data center. You focus on what you do. Are there any other benefits towards using the cloud? Sure, there could be cost benefits depending on you know how much you spend for your data center and your resources. There's also benefits in increased agility in the organization, allows you to change and adapt significantly faster than on-prem. And then one of the biggest benefits is, is that nothing's permanent in the cloud. So you could do prototypes and testing and innovate without having to worry about buying really expensive equipment to do a test and say AI with GPUs that you might not use in the future if it doesn't work out. So by using the cloud, you can use those resources, those really expensive GPUs, prove your concept that it works or it doesn't. And if it doesn't, you could just shut it down and you stop paying. And that's one of the biggest benefits to organizations is that ability to adapt and adjust to the changing market environment. Incredibly important right now, especially with the adoption of AI in the healthcare system. What are some of the potential downfalls to using the cloud, if any? Well, the number one downfall is cost overruns. It's, uh, I like to say it's like the old Doritos commercials with Jay Leno. It's like, crunch all you want, we'll make more. Unfortunately, the cloud vendors are the same way. Use as much resources as you want, we'll just give you more. Unfortunately, your bill just continues to climb. So it's very important for organizations that get into the cloud to have somebody that's fiscally responsible for the cloud spend and ensuring that they are utilizing you know, the best sized instances and they don't have overages there and paying too much for resources they don't need. Um, buying long-term contracts for those resources to reduce costs. And then, you know, making sure that things just get turned off. You might be doing a 
development test for a new version of some software. You deploy it, you test it out before you put it into production. Well, and then you forget to take it down. And then it just sits out there forever. So somebody needs to be really responsible for maintaining all of that in the cloud. Otherwise, most of the things in the cloud are an actual benefit. We've talked a lot about role shifting. It sounds like we don't need as many database administrators per se, but we do need a new role to help manage that cloud usage and that budget. So from a staffing perspective, can you give a summary of how using the cloud impacts roles and skill sets required in an organization? Yeah, there will be some shifts. Um, certain roles are going to be pretty much eliminated when it comes to really large organizations. They probably have a backup team. And that's something that pretty much goes away in the cloud if you set it up properly. So those people will need to be you know, retrained and, and put somewhere else. Database administration, those teams can see some shrinkage as well if you're using the managed services because they don't have to apply all those updates and maintain the underlying system. But they still have to manage the databases on top of said system. So there is some reduction, but it's not as drastic. And then there's going to be changing in roles. One, like I said, the financial piece, but there's also, you know, you're getting in more into your DevOps and those type of resources, potentially full stack developers. So that would be augmenting the teams that you have already, you know, in the development side and whatnot and teaching them new skill sets. And then all the clouds require a new skill set for pretty much everyone involved, which is infrastructure as code or IAC. And that's one of the, the beauties of the cloud is you can actually create your infrastructure as computer code instead of having to like physically build it, right? But it's a skill that your devs need, that your sysadmins need. You know, everybody needs to do, learn that so that you're using the best practice of implementing everything as IAC because then it's repeatable and reproducible. And that's really critical when you're going from your development to test to prod environments that everything's consistent. So if it works in dev, it works in test, you know it's gonna work in prod. If you start doing things by hand like you would on-prem, you're gonna run into issues because there's gonna be inconsistencies. So you've kind of touched on this already, but how will the cloud impact day-to-day -day operations? And keep in mind, like from a healthcare perspective, if I'm writing a report on some healthcare data, will the data move from my perspective? Am I looking somewhere else for the data since it's now in the cloud? Or would the way that I access data as an end user be the same? End users won't notice a difference. I mean, because they're going to a website or they're loading an application, they're running uh, some reporting tool. None of that changes, just where it's pointing to changes. So from an end user perspective, operationally, there aren't a lot of changes. For technology security, there's a significant amount of operational changes required. Yeah, talk to us more about, does this pose a cybersecurity issue, especially for healthcare organizations holding their data in the cloud? Well, anything can pose a cybersecurity issue if you don't do it right. <laughs> and that's usually what you hear about when it comes to breaches with the cloud is somebody puts something out in storage in like S3 object storage in AWS and they didn't properly secure it and then somebody got some important data. Uh, overall, the cloud is more secure. Um, and there's actually an organization that I did work for migrated their entire financial suite after they had a very public hack. 
and we moved it to the cloud specifically to protect it greater than it was on-prem. When you're working in the cloud, everything is least privilege and zero trust, which is very different from your on-prem model where you have zones. You have like maybe a workstation zone and a server zone, maybe you have a dev zone. But once you pierce the veil and are in the network, usually you can move around very easily. And if you look at all the attacks that have happened recently, like Home Depot, TJ Maxx, all of those took place by piercing the veil of some other lower environment in their network. With zero trust, it doesn't matter where you are in the network. The server only trusts the connections from the servers that it talks to or the end users that talk to it. So once there is no veil to pierce in that environment because everything is segmented from everything else, making it significantly more secure. Does the cloud ever have downtime? Are we at risk of not being able to access our data for any reason? It depends on how you architect your applications. So if you build your applications to support, you know, I'll, ta I'll talk in AWS terms because that's what I do. So AWS has a region and they have multiple throughout the United States. So they're physically segmented. And then within that region, there are availability zones. So those are individual data centers that are also spread out physically between each other. So if I design an application that I want for maximum availability, a course will use multiple availability zones. So it's like multiple data centers if you're looking at the on-prem world. And then to really ramp it up, I would have something in a second region that would be able to be, you know, failover. Or if it's architected the right way, it could actually be active-active. So it's actually running in multiple regions at the same time. So if you look at your really big public applications, like your Googles and Facebooks and all of those, that's the way they operate. They're 100% live in multiple regions. So they don't really see impact when there is an outage with a cloud provider. Now, if the application isn't architected in that way, that's when you can start to see outages. So AWS has had a few, primarily in the US re East region, which is in Virginia, Personally, I recommend for people to not put their stuff there. That's kind of AWS's test environment or where they start rolling out changes. So it has accounted for like 80% of all the failures at AWS, specifically just in that region. So I'd say like Ohio or Oregon, California, you know, somewhere else would probably be less likely to have an outage. How long does it typically take to complete a cloud migration project? Is it dependent upon the size of the organization, the amount of data? Uh, it's kind of a mixture of how much data they have, how many servers they actually have, and then the size of the organization. They all kind of blend together because there's different aspects that happen. Data takes time to get over the wire, right? So it's a mathematical formula that determines how long that's going to take. How many servers, the more servers, the more connections you have, the longer it's going to take to define the security and everything that adds, you know, to the time. And then finally, the bigger the organization, the more process that's involved with the organization. So the slower the migration moves. So it's kind of a corporation of all of those things. Typically for a small migration, you'd probably be able to do that in like three months. And then it could take 
you know, upwards of a year or two, depending on, you know, if we're talking the thousands of servers range. What words of wisdom can you share for organizations about to undergo a cloud migration or words of wisdom in general for technology adoption initiatives? Well, number one is you have to have executive buy-in. You know, your top leadership should be behind the cloud migration. If there's any dissidence there, it's going to slow it down because people that are really resistant to change, they're going to latch on that the CISO or the CTO or the CFO or whoever that is, isn't on board with the migration. And it's going to significantly slow or could potentially, I've seen it actually completely kill a cloud migration. So it's very important to have that exact complete executive sponsorship of, of the migration. And as far as the migration itself, you, know, you just got to keep up the velocity. When you migrate to the cloud, you're running in two places, right? I got my data center, I'm moving to the cloud, I'm literally paying twice as much for those resources right now. So the faster you can get to the cloud, the shorter the time frame, the less you have that double. And it's not always a tit for tat where I take a server offline on-prem and put it in the cloud. And I, I, can't, I can't shut down resources for that because it's probably running in a virtualized environment. So there's a bunch of servers on a piece of hardware and it's on a, probably on a, a storage area network, a SAN. So there's a bunch of different servers on there. So I can't, I can't shut that stuff down. It's got to continue running. So you're, you're stuck paying for it. It's a, it's a very blocky ladder if you were to look at it like in a graph because you'd have to move X number of servers and then I could shut down a, like a VMware host and start saving some money there on, on my heating, cooling, power, et cetera. And then you can't sell that equipment until you can pull it all out. Keep the time frame as short as possible. Are there any other major things that someone would need to know or be educated on prior to undergoing a cloud project? Well, I mean, the biggest thing is it's a very large shift in, in mental thought processes around almost everything that you do in IT once you get to the cloud. It's going to change the way you think about innovation. It's going to change the way you think about doing updates to software. It's going to change how you architect, how you secure. It changes everything. Even your change management process should be changing because now you're in an environment that can move significantly faster. So your change management process now has to match. You know, if you want to do full DevOps and you want to roll out nightly updates, well, you can't have a change, man a change management process that takes two weeks. They don't, they don't match. They don't align. So understanding that mentality shift is critical for pretty much everybody involved from the technology side end users don't really need to know but from the tech side understanding that it's crucial thank you so much for sharing your insight around technology adoption in the cloud this concludes today's lean health tech podcast if you're a listener and would like to hear a certain topic covered in future episodes please let me know by leaving a review or comment thanks for joining and be sure to check out the next episode